Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Praise God. Go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Once again, you'll find my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. So you'll find my notes in the YouVersion Bible app. I've also put the link to my notes in our Faith Plus app. And so this is part two of our study. And part one, the video portion and audio version is already available on our Faith Plus app, YouTube, as well as our Faith Christian Center podcast. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to listen to it, to dive into it again, because we set the stage where we're going this week. We also dive into the history of why things happened, why it was going on. And so I'm not going to do a lot of review tonight because I have some ground I want to cover in Daniel chapter two. But my notes are still there. You'll see them in the Faith Plus app. You'll see the message from last week in the Faith Plus app as well. And you'll see my new notes in the Faith Plus app as well as on the Version Bible app. So setting up what we said that Daniel was born in the latter years of King Josiah. Daniel's name means my judgment is God's or God is my judge. We said the book of Daniel is written in two languages, Hebrew and Aramaic. Daniel 1 through 6 contains the stories of Daniel and his friends in Babylon. Daniel 7 through 12 is about the future. Daniel 1 is written in Hebrew. Daniel 2 through 7, those chapters are written in Aramaic. Daniel 8 through 12 is written in Hebrew. This is just a review from what we did last week. This design of this book with the language and the divisions of the book give you insight into understanding the book. And as we go further into the book, we will connect it so that you understand the design of the book and what God is trying to say to you through this book. From Daniel 1, we understand that Daniel and his friends were from the royal family, their King David's descendants, or they're part of the nobility of Judah. The passage from Daniel chapter 1 also shares that they were young. They were young men. Well, how young were they? Approximately 15 years old. So Daniel and his three friends that we know them by the Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were about 15 years old or sophomores in high school when they were taken from their land and brought to Babylon. And so I've also included in our notes for tonight the takeaways and applications from last week's studies. So make sure you look at those and apply those to your life as well. And let's go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to start reading from the New King James Version. This is now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. And so one of the things you'll see in the book of Daniel, Daniel, of course, is the main character, but another prominent character is King Nebuchadnezzar, or as history calls him, Nebuchadnezzar II, or Nebuchadnezzar the Great. Now, when it says here the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, it's not about talking about the second year he was in charge of Babylon, but more than likely it's referring to the second year of his direct reign over Judah and Jerusalem. So this will put Daniel and his three friends around the ages of 17 and 18 when this story is taking place. So when it says the second year, it's referring to a second direct year of his reign over Jerusalem and Judah. And this would make Daniel and his three friends about 17 or 18. So they would be junior, seniors in college, or if they're a little bit younger, they'd be the freshman year, excuse me, junior, senior in high school, or their freshman year of college. This is the age range where they are right now. Now, let's talk about Nebuchadnezzar a little bit more before we go forward. Nebuchadnezzar was the eldest son and successor of Nabopolassar, the founder of the Chaldean Empire. Before Nebuchadnezzar's ascension to the throne, Nebuchadnezzar was a successful military commander under his father. He ruled the Babylonian Empire for 43 years. He is known for successful military campaigns and his massive building and restoration projects. 
His most famous building projects were the Ishtar Gates and the Processional Way. He focused most of his building efforts on his capital city, Babylon. Babylon is located in modern-day Iraq. Now, one of the things we see in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and that we see as we study chapter 2, is that God communicated with Nebuchadnezzar through his dreams, even though he was a wicked heathen king. That's important to note, that God was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar through dreams, even though he was a wicked heathen king. So this reminds us of Job chapter 33, 14 through 18, which says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. In order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So God is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar through a dream. And let's go to chapter 2, verse 2. And one of the things is part of how I pray and I study from Scripture is that God has a habit of talking to world leaders through dreams. We see how he talked to Pharaoh through dreams, the Pharaoh of Joseph's time. We've seen, we saw how he talked to Pilate's wife through a dream during the weekend when Jesus was being tried in his mock trial before his crucifixion. So we saw the different places where God will speak to leaders through dreams. Daniel chapter 2, verse 2 it says, then the king gave command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. The word Chaldeans here is not just talking about the Chaldean people, because technically they're all Chaldean. Nebuchadnezzar is technically Chaldean, that most of the people in that area are Chaldean. When he's saying Chaldean here, he's referring to the wise men, the Chaldean wise men. He called them all to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Daniel chapter 2, verse 3. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. In other words, I don't remember what I dreamt. I just remember it was bad, and I want to know what it meant, but I can't remember the dream. And notice what he said. If you will not make, if you won't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'm going to cut you in pieces and I'm going to turn your house to rubble. I'm going to burn down your house. But if you tell me the dream and the interpretation thereof, you'll, I'll give you many gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know for sure that you're stalling. You're trying to gain time. Because you realize I don't remember what I dreamed. But if you won't make known to me the dream, there's only one decree for you. For you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak to me until the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and then I know you can interpret the dream. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. There is no king, lord, nor ruler that has asked such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So notice what these pagan magicians and witches and warlocks and sorcerers and astrologers are telling King Nebuchadnezzar. We can't tell you this. This is a hard thing. Nobody asked this of their magic council. The only person they said it, they said the only people who can reveal this to you are the gods, but they don't dwell among people. Or so they thought. 
They have no knowledge of the God of Israel and his workings and what he wants to do on the earth. And so this is how they reply to Nebuchadnezzar. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And so the king says, fine, you can't tell me. I'm going to kill all of you. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows, so his three friends, to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch told Daniel everything. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Notice Daniel's boldness, but also Daniel's favor. The king had just said, kill everyone, kill all the wise men. Now, Daniel, being one of the wise men, being part of the ranks, goes before the king and asks for more time. And the king gives Daniel more time so that he can tell the king the dream and the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and told what had happened to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the ones we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends. And so they came together for this purpose, that they would desire or ask mercies. The word mercies means compassion from the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his friends should not perish or die with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. So they got together and they began to pray. They were asking God for compassion, that he would show them what the king dreamed and show them what the dream meant. Notice what it says next. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me what we desire or what we asked of you. For you have made known unto us the king's matter. So let's highlight what Daniel said in his prayer. He said, wisdom and might belong to God. He said, God changes the times and the seasons. He said, God removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and he gives knowledge to those who have understanding. Also, God is a revealer of secrets. So some of the things that Daniel is declaring in his prayer right now are going to help you understand the rest of the book of Daniel as we get to it. So let's make a note that he said that Dan Daniel said that God, this is what he said about him, wisdom and might belong to God. It says God changes the times and the seasons. It says God removes kings and sets up kings. It says God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It says God is the revealer of secrets. And so those are wonderful things that God did in Daniel's day, but guess what? God still does those things today. He still gives wisdom and might. He still changes the times and the seasons. He still removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. He gives knowledge to those who have understanding. And he is still the revealer of secrets. So let's continue. Let's pick up with verse 23. 
Daniel said, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and now you've made known to me what we asked of you, for you've made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So notice, he's declared and testified on behalf of God. He says, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And the dream you had was about the latter days, which means the last days or the end of days. He said, your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. I'm going to pick it up in verse 29, reading from the New Living Translation. It says, while your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. Notice what Daniel keeps saying. God is the one who reveals secrets. God is the one who reveals secrets. God is the one who reveals secrets. There are secret things in your life and you don't have to seek after conspiracy theories. God will reveal the secret things of your life to you. That's one of the reasons why praying in the spirit is so important and praying that Ephesians 1 prayer is so important. God will reveal secret things about your life to you and give you understanding just like he did Daniel. Let's keep going. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart and your vision, your majesty. You saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings, the God of heaven. Notice this is a key phrase we'll come back to in a little bit. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. 
During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. So let's do some brief breakdown. The gold kingdom was Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The gold kingdom was Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The silver kingdom was the Medo-Persian Empire. The, the silver kingdom was the Medo-Persian Empire, and we'll talk about them a little bit later in our study. The bronze, the bronze kingdom was the Greek Empire. The bronze kingdom was the Greek Empire, and we'll talk about them later in our study as well. The Iron Kingdom is the Roman Empire. And we'll talk about that, of course, later in our study. The iron and the clay are things we'll get into in a little while, not in tonight's message, but as we go deeper in the book of Daniel. The rock, of course, is the kingdom of God. And its full fulfillment is Jesus setting up his millennial reign upon the earth. It is worth noting that God said through Daniel that God gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom. So once again, the gold kingdom is Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The silver kingdom is the Medo-Persian Empire. The bronze kingdom is the Greek Empire. The iron kingdom is the Roman Empire. And the rock cut out from a mountain, made without, without human hands, is the kingdom of God. Let's pick up with verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifice and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries. Remember, this phrase is really important to understand in the book of Daniel. A revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon. So remember, there's the Babylonian Empire, or what's called the Neo-Babylonian Empire, or the Chaldean Empire that there is the city, the province of Babylon. This is the city that uh, Nebuchadnezzar loved the most. It's the one he did most of his rebuilding of uh, buildings and statues. And we'll talk about the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar being a building king later on in our study. And so he made Daniel ruler over the province of the capital, the place where he put most of his investment to rebuild and make great, the place that he, you could tell by his efforts and his work he loved the most, he put Daniel in charge of that province. But also, it says he put him as chief over all his wise men. So all the people that he previously said that Daniel and his friends are 10 times smarter than and more capable than and better than, all the ones who didn't know what to do, all the different wise men, Daniel is now in charge of them. So Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel to the office of Rav Maj. Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel to the office of Rav Mach. It was a particular office in Babylon over that time. That means he oversaw all the wise men. Now remember this about the ancient Chaldeans. They were known as studiers of the sky. They were proficient in astronomy and they practiced astrology. We count time based off of their 60 system, 60 minutes in an hour and 60 seconds in a minute. Daniel as the Rav Maj would have taught those who study the heavens that there would be a star that would be connected to the arrival of the Messiah. We call these people that Daniel led and Daniel trained magi. 
Numbers 24 verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tomal. And so this is a messianic scripture talking about the coming of the Messiah. And we see this mention of a star here. One of the things that Daniel taught the Magi is one day the Messiah will come. A world ruler would come. And one of the signs of his coming would be a certain star in the sky. See, Daniel's influence over the Magi lasted for centuries past his death. What he taught them was passed down to future generations of Magi, which led the Magi to come to worship Jesus when he was born. Remember, it says they said they saw his star in the east and Babylon and the Babylonian Empire, and the remnants of the Babylonian Empire were to the east of there. They saw his star. And so they made that long journey, which could have taken anywhere from three to 12 months. They made that long journey to come to worship the Messiah. They knew he was coming because Daniel taught them. And Daniel's influence over the Magi lasted hundreds of years. These Magi, they will become known as the kingmakers. I talked about them in our last Christmas series. They were kingmakers. They were so proficient in so many things. They were rich. They were powerful. They had armies. We'll find out later as they got into their later in their history. But Daniel is now Rav Mash. He is the leader of all the wise men, of all the magi of Babylon. So what are our takeaways and applications from this week's study? What are our takeaways and applications from this week's study? Number one, God knows how to deal with world leaders. Number one, God knows how to deal with world leaders. You know, we, you know if you've followed me for any length of time. You hear me talk about this a lot, especially on Sundays. Sometimes we get so caught up in politics, we forget these simple truths. God knows how to deal with world leaders. The world leaders we have today, the leaders of our nation, the leaders of this administration, previous administrations, the leaders in Congress, Supreme Court, governors, and etc., are not new to God. God knows how to deal with them. He's dealt with Nebuchadnezzar. He's dealt with Cyrus. We'll talk about him later. He's dealt with pharaohs. He's dealt with people for all the span of time. God knows how to deal with world leaders. Go ahead and say that loud and put it in the chat. It's one of our takeaways for tonight. And you need to let this sink into your heart, especially as we approach election season in this nation. Put it in the chat and say it out loud. Say, God knows how to deal with world leaders. One more time, say, God knows how to deal with world leaders. As we pointed out earlier, God gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom with that level of authority. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, the one who wrote the book of Jeremiah, was a contemporary of Daniel. He was older than Daniel, but he was a contemporary of Daniel. Notice what the Lord said through Jeremiah. We'll go to Jeremiah 27. It's part of our takeaway and application for tonight. Jeremiah 27, we'll start with verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, we talked about him last week, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourselves bonds and yokes, and put them on your neck, and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall you say to your masters, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground by, by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I've given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. 
and the beasts of the field I have also given to serve him. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And it shall be that the nation and kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put his neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, famine, and pestilence until I've consumed him by his hand. One of the things I want you to notice is what God says about Nebuchadnezzar. He calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is a wicked, heathen, pagan king. Yet the God of Israel, he identifies himself as the Lord of hosts or the God of angel armies, calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant and says, I gave the authority to rule to him. Now, two chapters later, we see Jeremiah also sent a letter to those who have been carried away captive to Babylon. That would have been the first generation carried away captive, as well as those who came after them. So Daniel would have been one of the people who knew of this letter and would have heard this letter, as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as all the other captives from Judah in Babylon at this time. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. It says, Jeremiah wrote a letter. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoiakim, the queen mother, the court officials, and other officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elisa, son of Saphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassador to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you will have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Notice this. God told the Jews in Babylon to build lives and pray and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where they lived. Notice he didn't tell them to pray for the destruction of that city. He says, work towards and pray for the peace and the prosperity of that city because your welfare or your peace and prosperity will be connected to the welfare and the peace and the prosperity of that city. It reminds me of 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4. I'll read it to you from the King James. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for or over all men, for kings, and for all those who are in authority or who are positions of influence, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come knowledge of the truth. It is the will of God that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's will. Now we know that's not going to happen which let's know the will of God is not automatic, but he wants everybody to be saved. He wants everyone to come into the knowledge of the truth. And so one of the ways we help this great commission come to pass is by praying for those who are in authority. It is the will of God that all men be saved. That's God's will. But guess what? People have wills. And people may not decide to agree with God's will, and they reject his will, and they get the result of their rejection. Eternity without him in hell. But notice what God says here through Paul to Timothy. He wants people to pray for kings and for all those in authority. Why? That we might lead a quiet and a peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. That sounds similar to peace and prosperity being in the city of Babylon where the Jews were sent to. 
So this leads to takeaway number two. It is our holy responsibility to pray for world leaders and for all those who are in authority. Number two, it is our holy responsibility to pray for world leaders and for all those in authority. As we'll see in our study, Daniel influenced an empire through his prayer life. Daniel influenced an empire through his prayer life. We must be a praying people. We cannot afford to be prayerless. Note, as I said before, the prophet told them to pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. He didn't tell them to pray for the destruction of Nebuchadnezzar or the destruction of Babylon. He said to work towards and pray for peace and prosperity. Number three, God desires to place his people in positions of authority and influence. You can say it with me, put it in the chat. Number three, God desires to place his people in positions of authority and influence. Say it with me, put it in the chat. Say, God desires to place his people in positions of authority and influence. As Jesus told us, we are the salt and the light of this world. Our lives should be influencing the world around us. In the same way that Daniel's life influenced his culture, our lives should influence our culture. Our lives should be influencing the world around us. In the same way that Daniel's life influenced his culture, our lives should influence our culture. Before we go tonight, I want to give you keys to Daniel's influence. So you ready for keys to Daniel's influence? If you're ready, go say, I'm ready, or put in the chat, say, I'm ready. You ready for keys to Daniel's influence? Come on, put in the chat, say, I'm ready. You ready for keys to Daniel's influence? All right, here are a few keys to Daniel's influence that will work for your life as well. Number one, as we talked about last week, Daniel purpose in his heart to serve the Lord fully. Number one, Daniel purpose in his heart to serve the Lord fully. Daniel 1.8, which we said was the key verse of chapter one, that a verse you should memorize and teach to your children. Daniel 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor for the wine which he drank. And so what was the whole purpose of that? It wasn't just about food. It was, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to stop doing what God wants us to do, even though we live in a heathen pagan dark culture he and his friends made a decision they purposed in their heart we will not defile ourselves we will fully commit to living the way god wants us to live number two we saw last week that god gave daniel favor and we saw last week in psalm 5 verse 12 that god wants to give you favor he wants to surround you with favor like it says psalm 5 12 he'll surround the righteous with favor as a shield god wants to surround you with favor i like to say it this way the favor of god surrounds me as a shield before people encounter me they encounter the favor of god god wants to give you favor favor was another key to daniel's influence number three daniel was a man of excellence we see it in chapter one we see it here we'll see it through the book of daniel as we get a little bit further in our study that daniel was a man of excellence you should be a person of excellence as well number four daniel was a man of prayer and you need to be a person of prayer. And next, Daniel had praying friends of faith. Daniel had faith-filled praying friends. So what happened when Daniel heard the king's command? He went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told them what happened, and said, let's get together and pray. And they prayed. God gave them an answer. And as a result, the king changed his decree. He changed his law. And also as a result, Daniel was promoted and as you saw at the end of the chapter, so were his three friends. So the keys to Daniel's influence, which will be the keys to your influence, 
And we'll talk about it more you know, on our message on Sunday, I believe. The keys to Daniel's influence. Daniel purposed in his heart to serve the Lord fully. God gave Daniel favor. Daniel was a man of excellence. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel had praying friends of faith. You need to purpose in your heart to serve the Lord fully. God will give you favor. Just believe for it. Speak about it. Talk about it. You should really come out your mouth every day that you have favor. I like to say it this way. I have favor with God, man, and government. That favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. That favor of God opens doors for me that no man can close. That favor of God goes before me and causes my harvest to come to me speedily for I have a need of it for my sake and the sake of the gospel. I identify with the favor of God because God's favor is upon my life. Be a person of excellence. Strive to be excellent in everything you do. Strive diligently to be excellent in everything you do. Daniel was a man of prayer. So yes, we should pray for those who are in authority. We should pray for those under our sphere of influence. That means praying for your family, your friends, your church family, those who live in your community. One of the things we teach our daughters to do every night when we pray, we pray, of course, for our family, our friends, and our church family. We pray for their teachers. We pray for our community. We pray for our police officers, our firefighters, our doctors, our nurses, our dentists, the EMS. We pray for leaders. Why? We pray for all those who are in our community because it's what God has told us to do. And we should be people of prayer. And then also, Daniel had praying friends of faith. So we don't isolate ourselves, but we get in faith communities because iron sharpens iron and we all bring our supply. And as we come together, as it tells from Ephesians, God calls us the body to grow together in love. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're calling us to higher levels of influence, higher realms of influence, higher positions of leadership. And as we learn from the life of Daniel, We'll be able to walk in these places you've called us. So, Father, I pray tonight that you help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word so we can be blessed in our doing. Help us apply this tonight and over the days as we study and dive into these notes and go over this message again and again so we can live the life of favor and influence you've called us to be and called us to live so that we can be salt and light, as Jesus said, and we'll bring more people into your kingdom and save them from the darkness that is in the world. We thank you for your help and for what you share with us tonight. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, and so be it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Make sure you download these notes from the YouVersion Bible app or you get them from the Faith Plus app so that you can study this and rise to the level of influence God has for you. I sense it so strongly in my heart, something the Lord has been dealing with me about. It's time for an increase of influence, not just for me, not just for the people you think are super spiritual, but for you as well, because Jesus said you are the salt and the light, and it's time for you to rise and influence. Praise God. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles.
God bless. Yeah.